This year will be different. This year will be different. This year will be different. This year, I need to eat less. You know what? I do solemnly swear that this year I will lose 10 pounds. Or at least five. Five is the magic number. That's how many times I want to visit my grandmother this year, which would be five more than last year. Learn to wait. I always want things instantly. I need patience. Now. This year, I'll be nicer to my parents. What, Mom? Get off my back. I just need peace in my life. I'm just so nervous all the time. I just... I'm twitching. Three kids. I'm a twitcher. I'm twitching. I twitch. I just can't seem to get my pits to stop sweating. Can you can you see this? Look, when did I become the human leak? I mean, I know I've got some stress about my future and everything, but why can't I just be like everyone else and conceal it? Okay, I'll just have to fake it till I make it. And I'll be better than I've ever been in my entire life. If I'm going to make this year count, I have to do some things differently. It's too pay time. Make some goals this year. Just three, not ten. Stop judging people who aren't like me. Stop snapping at my kids. Dream. Character over image. Learn that I'm loved, but not entitled. God, did you forget about me? I'm here. Just show me what to do. Give me the strength to change. What am I saying? I, I don't even know if I want to change, God. I'm comfortable. I have a good life. I know. You want the best for me. So why don't I want the best for me? Starting tomorrow, using my gifts and talents... I'm going to live my life differently. God's way. I'm tired of keeping this great gift. A secret. Can I tell you a secret? I feel like I'm separated from something. It sounds weird, doesn't it? But whatever I need, it's bigger than this world can offer. I offer my life, God. It's something much more than what I can see. So please, God. You just take this little bit of faith that I have. I just can't wait another year. Now is the accepted time. Now is the time that God calls all men and all women to make a commitment, not just a New Year's resolution, to make a commitment, one that will honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now is the time, and this is the hour. Won't you sing with me? Turn your eyes upon Jesus as we focus on God's Word this morning. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in you see there is light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant 
things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm sure that most of you have noticed in the tabloids or in the news and you'll see magazines that say that they've, you know, put out issues and sometimes it's pictorial issues and events that were made in the past or the previous years. Many magazines also include articles by experts predicting what they expect to see happening in the years ahead. Some even go as far as predicting and covering 10 and 20 or more years in the future. In the past, a few of these predictions have proven amazingly accurate, while others couldn't have been more wrong. 
For example, back in 1967, experts predicted that by the turn of the century, technology would take over so much of the work we do that the average American work week would be only 22 hours long. How does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that would, would work only 27 weeks a year. Wow, that's amazing. Would we be broke? Because if you're working hourly, it would be a sad, sad situation. If your salary, then maybe you could celebrate the 27 weeks that you'd be able to work. As a result, one of our biggest problems would be in deciding what to do with all of our leisure time. Right? Well, I don't know about you, but that prediction certainly missed the mark as far as my life was concerned. In fact, most of us seem to be very busy. We're always in a hurry. We walk fast. We talk fast. We eat fast. And after we eat, all too often we stand up and say, Excuse me, I've got to run. It's time for me to go. How many of you practiced that over the holidays? Okay, we ate and run and ran. So here we are, the first Sunday of 2013. I wonder how we'll do this year. Will we be as busy as we were last? Will we make any better time or use of our time? In 350 days, when this year is over, will will we be looking back with joy or with regret? Will we be looking at the future with anticipation or with dread? There's a passage of Scripture, I believe, can be of help to us as we look forward to the rest of 2013. So if you would, please take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be reading 15 and 17. Let's start with verse 14, and I'm going to go right up through verse 21, but then we'll be focusing on 15 and 16, but it says, wherefore he says, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. How many of you slept all last year? Well, I don't want you to sleep any longer. We've got a work to do. It says, see, that, see then that you walk circumspectly. That you walk, that word is a big word. And some of you say, what does circumspectly mean? It actually means carefully. See that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil, troubled. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, but to submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse 15 and 16. And I love the latter part. 16 says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many of you would say that times have changed since 1960 to now? Give me a raise of hand. And if you weren't here in the 60s, if you'd say even the 70s and you reflect back on time. You know, I was talking with my mom this past week and my wife and I were sitting in our prayer room and the TV was on and I said... You know, I'm getting really sick and tired of the television. I'm getting so sick and tired of it because, 
You can't watch a show without profanity in it now. They have justified what is on our TV stations. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Listen, Christians, what are we accepting as normality in our homes? What are we doing as a church to say, it's okay if we accept what's not normal or what's not doctrine, what's not the Word. But pastor, it's what's popular. It's okay. Let's be the Unitarian Church for peace. God is love. And you know what? And because this tree or bush or whatever it is, it speaks to me today. I think in our Unitarian Church, we need to bow down and worship this beautiful plant because I'm getting something out of its shape today. Really? But pastor, have you been to that service? They have so many people! Wow! What's happened to America? But what has happened to Christians that we've accepted the cool bush in the corner? That we've expected, we've accepted just peace, love, ah, and tranquility. Wow. Satan is a liar and a liar he shall stay. Redeeming our time because God will rapture His church. Redeeming our time and getting ready because now is the time, today is the accepted time to change where you're at. Are you just coming and sitting? Or are you coming to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Listen to me. When I sit and I was typing last evening and I was in my office... I have to redeem the time because our time is very short. And it's not about that, here's what's happening now. It's about, here's what has happened and is going to happen. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Scriptures. We know on the big hill, all kinds of things have been offered to us. Presidents over generations have promised us, this is what I'm going to do, hogwash. Why don't you say, here's what we should do and hold the Bible up. Because it was, in God we trust. And one nation under God. Oh, but we can't talk about God in the school. And oh, we can't talk about God in the workplace. And oh, are those people really praying? Why is it? Get this. And why am I on this tangent this morning? But... Why is it that I feel that we go to restaurants and we go like this? Look at that couple. It just really touched me. They're praying. I can't believe it. Wow. Why are we alarmed? Why don't we look across the restaurant and see everybody praying? And the ones that aren't praying should be the abnormal ones. Listen, church, it's not about the hero. here's what's happening now. It's about getting your heart right with God. It's about going back to the good old-fashioned Word. It's about practicing principles from God's Word. 
Now is the accepted time. Redeeming our time. Man, it's amazing to me to think just how our time on earth is limited. Just how our time on earth. You know what? I remember sitting with my grandparents and I, I just, I remember going to Kentucky or going in the backyard because mom's parents were in the back and my, my other grandparents lived in, in Pikeville and uh, actually a hauler outside of P- Pikeville down in Kentucky. But I remembered some of the days and as a young boy thinking, tick, tick, I looked at them one day, I said, what do y'all do down here in the hauler? This is boring. But I can still remember, Grandma says, you want to play cards? Let's go pick rocks out of the garden. Woo, just what I wanted to do while I was on vacation down here visiting. But man, I just anticipated as we walked up that one dirt road up that hauler, enjoying visiting family and friends. And I never realized... My time with them was so short. Our time, church, is so short. Our time to preach the gospel is short. Our time to get our hearts right with God is short. We don't have much time. We have very little time left. Three points to this morning's message. Our time on this earth is limited. Make the most of every opportunity and understand what the Lord's will is for your life. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father God, we come to You today and we're thankful that, Father, we can open up Your Holy Word and, Lord, not take it for granted. For today, Father, I'm grateful that we can understand what Paul had to say to the church at Ephesus. That we must redeem our time. He preached it years ago. And here we are today as Christians in our congregations across America redeeming our time. Father, this morning, help me to speak with clarity. Help me, Father, to allow the Holy Spirit to anoint this message and help us all to make a resolution this 2013 that we'll know what the Lord's will is for our lives. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. First of all, we must be very careful how we live on this earth because our time is limited. I love what the psalmist said. Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Psalms 39.4 And again, the length of our days is 70 or 80s if we have the strength for, in, for it is soon cut off and then we fly away. Y'all love that song? I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. What a great song. The Scripture says that our time is short. Now, I realize for some of the younger folks, 70 or 80 years sounds like a long, long time. And in fact, I can remember when I thought anyone over 40 was ancient. But no longer, it's all rather relevant, isn't it? Since I was 42. Did I just say that? So we all realize that, hey, I hope I live to 90 and I hope I can preach God's Word till I'm an old man. Because I love God's Word. For example, for teenagers in love... 
talking together in the car an hour or two seems like a blink of an eye, but for mom and dad worrying about what's going on out there in that car an hour or two seems like an eternity. Our time's all different. Solomon also tells us to number our days so that we will develop a heart full of wisdom. A few years ago, People Magazine published an article entitled Dead Ahead Clock, telling about a new clock that keeps track of how much time you have left to live. Wouldn't that be pondering? It calculates an average lifespan of 75 years for men and 80 years for women. So you program your sex and your age into the clock, and from then on it will tell you how much time you have left. And folks, you could buy that clock for only $99.95. I didn't buy one. But it is an, an intriguing idea. Isn't that what the psalmist to, told us to do to number our days? Have you figured out how much time you really have to live? The clock could remind you if you thought you would live to be 75. Just saying. But wait a minute, neither you nor I have a guarantee of even one day more to live. Only God the Father knows. It says it's an appointed time and then death and judgment will come upon us. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew 6.34, Take therefore not for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil, or the word can be interpreted for the trouble thereof. So our time on this earth is valuable because it is very, very limited. Turn, if you would, please, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. James chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Verse 14 in James chapter 4. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that pareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. That you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Hey, let's keep going. I love these two verses. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is a sin. So we must live our life because it's just a vapor. It's just a short time. You're here for a little while and then you're gone. What is done for Christ will last. What is done on this earth shall pass. We need to get excited about what God the Father is doing in our lives. We need to get more excited about what are you doing for Him. Number two, make the most of every opportunity. Secondly, Paul tells us that we must take the most of every opportunity. And he gives us a reason because he says this, because the days are evil. I love what Philippians 2.13 says, says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Why? Because Satan is a thief. He is a robber. And one of the things he tries to rob from us is our time because time is a very precious possession that we have. Just think of wasting time in sinning. 
Think of the time wasted in bars or in gambling or in casinos or shallow affairs. Think of the time wasted in gossiping or spreading rumors. Or think about the time wasted, as Miss Leslie said, about worrying about the consequences of the sins we have committed. Satan is a thief and Satan is a robber. But it's not just the sin that makes demands on our time. Sometimes, even good things can make demands. Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He sat down to teach and Mary was sitting at his feet just soaking in every word. Meanwhile, Martha was out in the kitchen preparing dinner. Now you know the story. It's found in Luke 10, if you'll turn there with me, please. And I want to point something out to you. Luke chapter 10. And I love this story. We don't, we don't really focus on the story of Martha and Mary. And we often wonder sometimes why in just this little small text is it being brought up. But Jesus is doing a lot of ministry work. He's sitting with people. He's visiting in homes. And he's doing the work of his father. And I love what it states here in Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42. Martha gets upset because Mary is not in the kitchen. So she complains to Jesus. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me out. Let's read that together. And it says, Now, it came to pass as they went, they had entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received or welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered, <coughs> excuse me, dis distracted. Hold on just a minute. Excuse me. About much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, thou art worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see the story, there's two sisters, they both love God, and there's Martha has her apron on. She's in the kitchen. She's the sister that wants to make sure that every I is dotted, every T is crossed, every plant is in its place. You know, when she brought tea in, she wanted to make sure she had the saucer and the plate and all the other condiments that go along with it. And then there's Mary. Eh, I could care less. She's the one who can handle all that. She was concerned about the mundane things of life, the material value of life. But then there's Mary and Jesus. They're sitting in the living room. And they're just fellowshipping. They're having a great time together. What was Mary concerned in? She was more concerned about her spiritual well-being than she was about being in the kitchen. I call this the Cinderella story in the Bible. So you guys didn't even know it was in there, did you? So the ugly sister comes back in, Martha, and says to Cinderella and to Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace, amen, what in the world are you doing? We must serve him. Now, I really do believe that in some way she was probably all excited because she wanted to be very hospitable. and She wanted to serve him. But I think her focus was more on what? We need to take care of our guest. And then there's Mary, just basking, just soaking like a sponge everything that she could get from Jesus. 
She didn't care. You know why? what she said? I must redeem my time. Because I only have this much time with him. And so I'm going to sit and soak it all up. I don't care if oven is baking in there. I don't care what's taking place. I want to focus on who? My Jesus. And could you imagine just sitting in the presence of Jesus? Could you imagine just sensing the presence and the power of God? Wow. This morning, I hope you can be challenged even by that story to say, you know what, I don't want to be a Martha, I want to be a Mary. You know, sometimes we are so concerned and so wrapped up with everything that's going on that we just forget to redeem our time and, and make that time valuable. Martha was committing a sin by fixing a meal in the kitchen. No, she wasn't committing a sin. Not, of course. not. But here's the problem. She was so preoccupied with what she was doing that she didn't realize that God was sitting in her living room. That's the same mistake you and I make almost every day. We get so caught up in here and there and everywhere that we fail to deal with the eternal, the things that will last forever and ever and ever. What are you doing, church? We're so busy. We're so preoccupied. Listen, I'm standing up here today to say, I, Todd Tackett, am guilty of the same exact thing. Because sometimes I put my emphasis in the wrong area. So I'm preaching to myself. Where is your focus? What is your emphasis? Richard Swenson, a medical doctor, wrote a book in which he discusses one of the major melodies of our time, anxiety and stress. He calls it overload and says that people are just plain overloaded. How many are overloaded in this room? Okay, I'm glad you admitted it. I think I am too. And do you ever feel like you're short-circuiting? Okay. I, I do sometimes. We're all overloaded. Three things. We're overloaded with commitments. We've committed ourselves to go here and there. Go everywhere. Take part in this activity. Take part in this social function. To commit to this, to commit to that. Ugh, so tired of all the commitments. I'm freaking out. Whoa, what's wrong, Dad? I'm short-circuiting. I'm freaking out. I'm tired of all the commitments. Because we're all there, we understand. It takes us away from redeeming our time. We're also overloaded with possession. Our closets are full. Our garages are overflowing. We've got debt to pay for all the things that we just simply bought or we simply have to have from Christmas. Now we're so afraid that someone will steal them. We overloaded the area with possessions. We're so focused on the unimportant. We're all there. We've all been there. We're Americans. Sit with my Nepali brother and sister and you'll soon find out just how materialistic you really are. But you could say, but pastor, I was raised in America. I didn't know any different. That's true. Just be careful to not be so overloaded. Thirdly, we have an overload in the area of work. We get up early, fight traffic, and experience intolerable working conditions because we have to if we're going to pay for all those possessions that we've just accumulated. Right? Amen, preacher. I agree with you. 
Thank you, sir, in the back row. I appreciate it. There is also an information overload. He said that as a doctor, he's had to read 220 articles a month just to keep up with all the changes in his profession. And now with the Internet, there's an information superhighway. But the problem is that we can't possibly absorb it all, so we feel an overload in this area too. Let me tell you something. I, I was talking to some senior pastors, and I've said to them, isn't it different? I mean, isn't the church different than it used to be like 20 years ago? He said, yeah, and on top of it, there's so many resources and so much information, and time changes. What was acceptable back in, like I said earlier, 1970, is totally different in 2013. And so there's all this information overload that we're constantly... I know myself, I'm reading till I'm tired of reading. I'm read out. Pastor, I'm going through this. Well, you know what I want to do? I want to dig. I just want to keep shoveling and digging and trying to get all the information I can to make you succeed for God. To make you succeed for Christ. That's what it's about. Well, I could go on and on, but you get this picture. There are so many demands on our time, so many good things that need to be done, but there are just 8,616 hours in this year, and we've already used 144 of them. We do want to make the most of every opportunity. So what are we to do last? Understand what the Lord's will is. Paul tells us, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, what do you think God's will is for you in this new year? Do you think He wants your mind so saturated with worries and anxieties that you can't even think spiritually? Do you think He wants your calendar so crowded that you don't have time for the important things? What do you think God's will is for you this year? Let me make a couple of suggestions for you to consider. First of all, establish your priorities. Establish what you're going to do in 2013. I'm assuming that since you're in church this morning, that you believe in God. That should be a part of what? Your life. But when you begin to establish priorities, you have to decide just where He stands in your life. So ask yourself, who or what is most important in my life? And I'm hoping that your answer will be this morning, my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is most important important to me. Do you hear me, church? Nothing else, just my relationship with Jesus Christ. Mary was so absorbed with her relationship that she just sat and sat and sat and listened and listened and listened. Then she could turn around and apply what was just taught to her. If this is your priority and Christ is your priority and being in church is your priority, when Sunday rolls around, neither rain nor shine nor football kickoffs will interfere with me being in church. Because who comes first in my life? Christ. I'll worship the Lord and nothing will interfere with that. I love what Matthew 6.33 says. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek you first. It's really interesting to me how I can get a whole list of excuses every year 
that says why I can't make it to a church function. I understand commitment and I understand priorities, but it's so funny how I'm not sitting at home and making commitments on a Sunday morning because I have an obligation to this congregation. I wanted to one time just put a little sign right here, like put it here on the pulpit, that would say, sorry, the pastor couldn't make it. He was mowing the lawn and put hamburgers on and was afraid they were going to burn. So he's at home watching them. And then everybody stands and they go like this. What are we going to do? What's going to take place? Where's my priority? I remember it as a young man. I already said this in, uh, in times past, but I said, Lord, I'm never working a fast food restaurant. I'm not going home smelling like grease and I will not flip a burger. I purposed in my heart. I said, I'll do whatever it takes. And I've done some dirty jobs. But I said, I'm not going to flip burgers. Is it a bad job? It's not a bad job. It was my own personal preference. It was a priority that I had. For you, you've made priorities in your life and you've said there's things I'm going to do and I'm not going to do. So quit making excuses. Amen, preacher. I'm not liking that message much today, preacher. It's not tickling my ears. Northwest Avenue, again, has the universal church and they do all things in peace, love, and tranquility. But again, that's not the word. So back to God's word. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Be here. Get involved. Are you glad you came to church today because God's here? That's what I love. Oh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Wow! It's amazing the love of God that bestows upon all of us. But are our priorities right? You also need to schedule some definite time each day to pray and read His Word. Pray for yourself, pray for your family. Pray for people around you. Pray for the church and for the missionaries. Sometimes they feel alone and so far away. You'll never know how much your prayers will mean to them. You'll never know how much your prayers mean to me. But you'll be blessed as you grow in your faith and trust in the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm not ashamed for preaching God's word. I'm not ashamed for teaching principles by how we're to live our lives. Are you ashamed? Are you upset? Are you uncomfortable? This morning, turn from your wicked ways, seek His face. And He'll heal you. You must also spend time with your family. Every husband out here needs to have a date day. A night with his wife. And I'm serious when I say that. You're going, but preacher, show me that in the Word. Oh, I'm getting there. You have to have a date night with your wife. A time when just two of you get away and don't have anything else to interfere. No beepers, telephones, no interruptions, and you can just talk. Maybe a nice restaurant. If you've ever sat in my office, I give you ideas on how to communicate when you're together. Becky and I made a promise years ago, we always have a date night. We always have a date day every week. Because guess what happens? Admit it to me. Priorities, commitments, schedules 
Get in the way from investing in your wife. And remember who, the, who is the thief? So Satan comes in and he destroys that marital relationship. Because he hates you together. He hates you being one. And in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives. If you're loving her, you'll spend some time with her. You love her, you'll, you'll be able to, to designate and dedicate some of that time for your loved one. Make some time. Spend time with your children too. They're growing up ever so fast. These are precious moments. Don't let them get away. Make sure that you spend quality time with your children. Make sure that your family is very high on the list. It's very important. Make those memories. I've told my nephews, my nieces, what are we doing right now? They'll say, making memories. That's right. We're making memories. Because you know what? That's all we have. We must redeem the time because the days are evil and they're short. And most of us have to work. And I think Christians ought to be good workers. And some... When hires a Christian, they ought to know they're getting someone who will give them an honest day's work and not cheat them. Because we're Christians, we have a responsibility to the Lord to honor Him in the marketplace. So first of all, establish your priorities and then learn how to live today. Two of the greatest enemies of time are regrets for things we did in the past and anxiety about what will happen to us in the future. Many of us are living either in the past or or in the future. In fact, many of us are engaged in the little game of I wish it were, I wish it were next week, or I wish it were next month, or some such thing. Kids go to school and say, boy, I wish the day was over. We go to work and say, I wish the day was over. And as I close, I want to read this illustration. Gary Freeman tells about a girl who went to college and just hated it. But she told herself, if I can ever get out of college and get married and have children, I know I'll finally be able to enjoy my life. So she stuck with it. She went to classes every day and finally graduated from college. Then she got married and she had children and discovered that children are a lot of work. So she told herself, if I can just get these kids raised, then I'll be able to relax and really enjoy my life. But about the time the kids were entering high school, her husband said, guess what? Oh, we don't have enough money to send our kids to college. I guess you'll have to get a job. Well, she didn't want to, but she knew he was right and they didn't, and they needed the money. So she went to work. And she hated it. But she told herself, if I could just get these kids out of college and get all of the bills paid, then I can quit work and really enjoy my life. Isn't that amazing? The things we tell ourselves. Finally, the last child graduated from college and all the bills were paid. So she walked into her employer's office and said, I quit. He said to her, Oh, you don't want to quit now. And if you stay with us just another eight years, you'll have a pension for the rest of your life. So she thought about it. Well, I don't want to work another eight years, but there's a lot of money there and I really can't turn down the opportunity. So what did she do? She worked for another eight years. Finally, she and her husband retired at the same time. They sold their home and bought a little retirement cottage. Then they sat down on the swing on their front porch and looked at the family picture album and dreamed about the good old days. Someone said, life is what happens to you while you're making plans to do something else. True, isn't it? Another year has come and gone. 
a new year stretches before us. Help us, Lord, to redeem the time. So have a happy, happy new year. And during the new year, may you have enough happiness to keep you sweet. Enough trials to keep you strong. Enough sorrow to keep you human. Enough hope to keep you happy. Enough failure to keep you humble. Enough success to keep you eager. Enough friends to give you comfort. Enough wealth to meet your needs. Enough enthusiasm to make you look forward to tomorrow. And enough determination to make each day better than the day before. Lord, please help us to use the 8,616 hours of this year the wisest way we can for you and for your glory. Now is the time. Redeem the time. Last verse I want to read to you. Romans 13, verses 11-12 says this, And that knowing the time, now that it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Christ will return and Christ will establish His reign. Will you be ready? For the hour has come. Redeem it now. And church, I want everybody to look at me. In 2013, I want you to make a commitment this morning. This altar is open. I don't care if you have family that's there. You grab your family and you pray together. Or you grab your significant other or somebody and and you stop and you join hands together. And here's what I want you to just say. Lord, today I'm committing my life to you. I'm surrendering my all to you. Today I give you everything. And then I want your accountability to not just be a Sunday morning worship service and we walk out the door and forget what was said. I want you to practice it to the best of your ability. And then those little jars that you got, every time there's a blessing, you take a piece of paper, you write it down and you put it in there. And you'll remember the commitment. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Are you seeking Him? Are you really seeking Him with all your heart? Better yet, Are you representing Him with all of your heart? With all of your life? Are you living your life separated from Him? Now, I'm not saying for you to look at your neighbor and go, so what did Billy Bob do the last couple months? Well, if that's your focus, and God forbid, I'm sorry for you. Because your priorities aren't right in 2013. But how about you do this? Your commitment, your relationship to God the Father. Is the Lord speaking to you this morning? Have you taken that step of faith? Maybe it's a turning point for you. Maybe you're here this morning because you say, you know what, I have failed. I've not sat down and I've not prioritized. I've not made God priority on my list. He's been at the bottom of my list with my time, with my talents, and with my tithe. Well, on that. Prioritize your time, your talents, and your tithe for Him. Do you want me to do that again? (laughs) Y'all don't know. Daniel was really sleeping. Anyhow, redeem your time. Say, Lord, I'm giving you my all. 
I'm reminded every day of my life what my expectation is to God. I might have been called at 15. But you were called the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to start that loving relationship with Him right then. Redeem your time. Because why? The days are evil. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you today, Lord, humbled at the thought of the time being so short and, Lord, our time not being what it should be. Lord, as family, as individuals, Lord, may we just lay it all at the foot of the cross. May we redeem our time. May we realize that in our life we put so many things ahead of, our, of you, of our relationship with you. We are so busy that we just don't have time for you. But God, when we need you, we blow off the Bible and get the dust off of it and wipe it down and say, God, help me today. Lord, may all of us make a New Year's resolution and a commitment at New Hope Christian Fellowship between the individual and you, Father, that we'll realize that our time is so short, that our marriage is so short, that our life is so short that we need to just dedicate our life to you. Father, forgive us where we've lacked. Forgive us for the things that we haven't done because, Father, we're just too busy for you. Lord, today may we realize that we must seek You first. And our heart and our focus must be You. Thank You for Your Word this morning. Father God, thank You for for the Bible. Thank You for the encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Lord, may You just intercede and work in our hearts and our minds. Lord, may You do a work this morning. All to Jesus I surrender. All to You I freely give. Father, today is the day of surrender. Lord, may we turn from our wicked ways. May we seek Your face. May You heal us. In this moment of reflection, Father, may we reflect upon You. In Your name we pray. Amen.